Aptus episode 124, award-winning recipe. Over the last several weeks, we have been discussing what a church is supposed to do, the importance of managing the character gap in the life of the minister, the importance of just a strategy as our current realities change. But here's where we have to be careful. There are some things that we cannot change. There's a recipe that cannot be tampered with. There are core responsibilities of a church leaders that, that should never change. There are core values of a church that should not change. There's a core message of scripture that should not change. Because if you mess with the formula, if you change the recipe, you can ruin the product. One of the worst marketing fails of all time was New Coke. Now, the new Coke debacle happened before I was even born. It happened in 1985, but it was really rooted when Coke introduced a reformulated version of Coca-Cola. They changed the recipe. Now, even though at the time Coke was number one selling drink, the decision to change the recipe was driven by market research that suggested a sweeter taste might help Coca-Cola compete more effectively with their main rival, which was Pepsi. And Coke did all kinds of market analysis and polls, and they were convinced that the new Coke was going to be a huge hit. However, the launch of new Coke was met with overwhelming negative response from consumers. There was a huge public outcry because there's this emotional connection to Coke. When you think America, you think a cold Coca-Cola on a hot summer's day on the 4th of July. I mean, it's just one of those things that's ingrained into the American culture for decades. And so consumers expressed disappointment, anger, uh, a sense of betrayal. The, the backlash was overwhelming. It was crazy because with the new Coke coming on the scenes, what ended up happening is that these loyal consumers to the old recipe ended up hoarding old Coke. They started petitions. They started movements. They started public gatherings. I mean, you can see all this stuff from news articles from that era, and it's unbelievable how angry people were that they had been sold out for this new recipe. It was a cultural phenomenon, made it to talk shows, news outlets. It's just pretty cool. So what ultimately ended up happening is, is that there was a petition to the company to bring the old Coke back. And realizing the magnitude of customer backlash, the Coca-Cola company faced a significant dilemma. You know, what are they going to do? And so they decided to reintroduce the original recipe of Coca-Cola 77 days after launching new Coke. This rebranded version was called Coca-Cola Classic and was marketed alongside new Coke. The reintroduction of Coca-Cola Classic was met with enthusiasm from the consumers and it quickly outsold new Coke. And eventually the negative association new Coke faded and it ultimately went out of production in 2002. It was discontinued and Coca-Cola Classic remains the king. So what's the lesson in all this for us? Within any business, organization, ministry, there is a core recipe that cannot change. That might be core values, a core product, core consumers, whatever the case may be. There is a recipe that has led to the health and the success of the organization or the ministry. And if you do what Coke did and you start to tweak with that recipe before long, you're going to have a falling away. You're going to have an angry consumer base. You're you're not going to have the same sales, quote unquote, that you had before. And this can really happen with a church because when a church gets away from its core recipe or furthermore, the minister gets away from the core recipe, you're, you're not going to see success. 
the market research, the talking heads might tell you that there's certain things that need to change. But when you actually put it into practice, it's not going to be effective. When you look at the Bible, there's a core set of biblical standards and practices that ministers to carry out that these cannot change. This is a recipe that cannot change. And so I want to read to you a, a, a passage of scripture out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And in this passage, we're getting a snapshot of the Apostle Paul's ministry. This was the recipe of how he did ministry, and I think it's a good lesson for us. So I want to start in verse 1, and here's what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church, and he says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. So he's saying, look, when we came to you, we were effective. We, we didn't do this in vanity. We, we knew what we were doing, and it worked. Going on, he says this, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as you have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext agreed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, rather from you or from others, though we could have made demands of his apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also ourselves, because we had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you as believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And you also thank God constantly that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So the apostle Paul is talking to this church and he's explaining to them the interaction when he first got there. And I love this passage because within this, when we start looking through the lines, we start seeing the code or we see the recipe that made up Paul's ministry. And unlike Coke, Paul didn't tweak the recipe. He, he, he might have changed some tactics from time to time. We don't know. He might have adjusted his strategy. Obviously, we know from Scripture his heart was pulled in different directions to different regions from time to time. However, the recipe of how he did ministry was successful because it never changed. It was God-honoring recipe that he, that he was faithful to throughout his entire life, and it produced arguably the greatest impact of any man who has ever lived who has said yes to the Lord. So within this, I think there are five ingredients that we see the Apostle Paul employing into his recipe. And these are five ingredients that we want to be cognizant of in our own ministry because we want to be as fruitful as the Apostle Paul. We want to be, we want to be as honoring to Christ who has called us as the Apostle Paul. So what are those ingredients? The first ingredient that Paul points out is a laser focus to the gospel. Now I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. Because I, I think that we can get sidetracked on what we're really supposed to do. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you go to your kids and you say, kids, I need you to clean the room. Uh, you, you go to one specific child and you say, child, your room's a mess. We have company coming over in two and a half hours. I need you to take an hour, clean the room, organize your closet, make the bed. We want this to be presentable 
for the company that's coming. You leave, you come back to the child a couple hours later, you, you give the kid a little bit more time than they need, show them some grace. And as you're walking down the hall towards the kid's room, the child runs out and starts showing you a Lego creation. And, and, and your child is so proud of this Lego creation. They're like, look at this amazing car that I just made out of Legos. It's awesome. And you know, it has a cooler here and it can shoot guns over there. I mean, this car is awesome. So you're kind, you're a good parent. You compliment the kid, but you continue walking down the hallway to check to see if the room is clean before the company comes. And to your dismay, when you walk into the room, nothing has been cleaned. The bed's still unmade, dirty clothes are on the floor. It smells like a locker room in there. It's actually worse now than it was before because there's Lego pieces all over the place that contributed to the creation that's now in the kid's hand. And so you're frustrated. You turn to the kid and say, child, I told you to clean the room. And the kid protests, but I created this awesome Lego piece and it's for you. I want to give it to you. And you say, yes, but you didn't do what I asked you to do. And I think that's exactly where a lot of us are in church. God has given us a very specific calling. It's to go into all the world and make disciples. And what I'm concerned about is that for a lot of us in ministry, we are building our own creations. We're building our own ministries. We're building our own church. And we say that we're building these things to give to Jesus. But we're building these things at the expense of what he's actually calling us to do. We can make the Lego creation of our own ministry, of our own church, our own platform. But if we don't do what Jesus actually called us to do, and that is make disciples, and we are, we are dishonoring the one who called us. The world's a mess, and Jesus' sacrifice has made a way for people's mess to be cleaned and renewed. And he told us to go out and to clean up the mess by reaching, reaching uh, the lost. So we have to realize this sometimes, that doing the work of the ministry discipling people can sometimes not feel exciting and like you're actually making progress. You, you, you know, uh, sometimes discipling people isn't a big show. Sometimes discipling people doesn't mean that, you know, uh, the worship music sounds good on Sunday. We, we, we want the fizzy things sometimes at, at the expense of the eternal things. We can't have great events and no gospel. We can't have energetic worship services, but no truth. We can't have amazing fellowship, but no life change. We have to make sure that the core ingredient in anything we do is a laser focus on presenting the gospel. Second ingredient, a willingness to embrace personal struggle. In this passage, the Apostle Paul talks about his willingness to embrace the struggle of the ministry, to face persecutions, hardships, uh, he was even willing to forego rights uh, to perhaps salary of preaching in order to do this and not be a burden. You might remember from history that William Smith was a, was a colonel in the Revolutionary War, and, and he said that, you know, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time from the blood of patriots and tyrants. And, and the truth is the church from time to time needs to be watered with self-imposed sacrifice of ministers within the church. You know, this is an ingredient that's vital to understand. We cannot be in ministry for any other reason to be obedient to the Lord's call. And when you're a minister only towards because Jesus called you, then you will pay the price that's required to be effective. You know, sometimes counseling goes long. Sometimes nobody knows what you, what you, no one notices what you have done. Sometimes it's just hard. But if Christ is your reward, then you will embrace the difficult seasons 
because you see the fruit of eternal reward and you're not looking for earthly reward. Without this ingredient, there's not going to be any longevity in your ministry. Ingredient number three, an untainted love for the church in his care. The Apostle Paul, one of the critical ingredients in his ministry is just how he had this deep affection for God's people. You see this in this passage, just the tenderness of the words he uses. There's a very high paternal instinct that he has for them, how he cares for them, how he watches over them. And this is not just unique to this church. You see this in all of his letters. He speaks very endearing to everybody that he, he, that he writes to, even the people that are attacking him. He, he's very tender towards them. He loves them. And the truth is, a love for people and love for the church is an ingredient that we have to have in ministry. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned because I think a lot of pastors, they make jokes. I just don't like people. Well, well, that's not a joke that we can even afford to make. Because if we don't like people, particularly the ones we're called to lead, then we're never going to be effective in ministry. And we need to get out. That is not an ingredient that's going to be it's going to be effective. Because if you don't like people and you're in ministry, then you're only in it for your own gain. You're only in it for your own self-satisfaction. You're only in it for your own ego. There's no other there's no other there's no other way around it. I have to be in ministry to love people and to love his church. Now, I'm not saying that there's not people in air and there's not seasons when it's hard. However, what I am saying is that those of us in church leadership are called to be the most spiritually mature in the church. And so we have to use that maturity to understand that sometimes less spiritually mature people are going to get into air and it's going to be more difficult to love them. So don't allow immaturity to soil your love for God's people. Learn to love the people you lead. Learn to love the people that are in your care. Learn to develop the spiritual paternal instinct for the people to where you're willing to lay everything down for them. Now, again, I'm not advocating that you sacrifice your family for ministry or anything like that, but we can sacrifice our sensitivities. We can sacrifice our own tendencies to be offended, and we can sacrifice some frustration for people that's not warranted. Those are things we can sacrifice. The fourth ingredient, speak life into individuals' callings. Paul said that he was exhorting the people, encouraging them, and challenging them in their walk with Christ. And I believe it's a vital ingredient for a minister to be able to speak life into the calling of the people that he is leading or she is leading. When you see the best in people and not the worst, when you encourage and challenge others, when you have a discipling heart towards other people, you will never have a shortage of followers. You will never have a shortage of opportunities to launch other people into their calling. You will never have a shortage of zeal and fruit inside of your ministry. You know, if you feel like there's a, a lack of zeal, perhaps a lack of a, a passion within your ministry right now, ask yourself, am I really championing and calling other people? Because if I'm championing other people, I promise you there's going to be some zeal and some excitement. Now, let me add an addendum to that. This isn't in, uh, I hadn't thought about this until just this moment, but a lot of times we're trying to champion people to do things that we want them to do. A critical understanding when it comes to encouraging and champion people is to figure out what God has called them to do. And it may or may not be a blessing or benefit to you or your ministry, but you got to figure out what people are called to do and you got to help them get there. And sometimes that means that they're not doing stuff that's actually helping you do what you need done. It means you're simply giving yourself to help them get where they need to go. Ingredient number five, uncompromising character. Paul basically just says, look, examine my life, examine the fruit of my life, and then mimic that. You know, he said, we're blameless. We were, we were holy. We were set apart. We, we did it the right way. You know, none of us are going to be perfect in church ministry, but we do have to have an uncompromising character. Uh, we need to have a non-negotiable aim to have an uncompromising character, and that has to be a critical ingredient in our life. 
this uncompromising character is just an ingredient that's going to allow you to finish the race. You know, we don't want to get to the five yard line and then fumble the football. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to prune our hearts and cause us to be more like Christ. Now, let me wrap it up with, with this thought. What's interesting about Coke is that they realized that they were in error of the ways pretty quickly. And regardless of all the money they had spent on new Coke, they corrected course, and today they are still dominating the market. Coke has 43% of all non-alcoholic beverage sales in the world. That, that's hard to wrap your mind around. In other words, 43 out of every 100 things that people are drinking is a Coke product. That's so unbelievable to me. And what's crazy is, is that there's only a small handful of countries out of the 193 countries that Coke is not number one. Um, it's kind of hard to narrow this down a little bit, but it looks like Scotland, Cuba, North Korea, and a couple of Caribbean islands are the only places where Coke is not the number one selling beverage product in the country. And that's cool. And I think there's a lesson in that for us. Sometimes I think our recipe is going to get a little bit off in ministry. You know, sometimes, sometimes our focus is off or sometimes we get annoyed with people. Sometimes we forget to speak and encourage others. Sometimes, yes, there's even sin in our life. But here's the deal. If the recipe starts to get off in our own ministry, it's never too late to correct course. You know, these five ingredients, labors or focus on the gospel, a willingness to embrace personal struggle, untainted love for the church, speaking life into individuals, and uncompromising character, that is a recipe that will sell, and that's a recipe for success in the ministry. God bless.